from the Netherlands and Camarillo, California. It is time for your favorite podcast in the world, Marketing Geeks. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Not only that, ladies and gentlemen, but these are the two people that invented marketing along with Al Gore inventing the internet. We are the founders. That's right. Before us, <laughs> there was no such thing as marketing. There were just people walking around trying to figure out how to sell things. And that might be taking it one step too far. But you know, we are marketing geeks and we need to step into our greatness, don't we? We got an excellent show lined up for you, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we are going to get into some really excellent learning territory for you. And now, without any further ado, it is time for the best podcast ever. That's right. It is time for the Marketing Geeks Radio Hour, starting now. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Marketing Geeks. Justin, how are you over there? How's the weather in good old sunny California? I'm doing fantastic. The weather is nice. Uh, We had a little bit of rain last week, but you know what? It's all clear right now. I'm ready to go. That intro got me psyched up. This podcast sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, And I, first of all, I want to give a big, big shout out to uh, our uh, seven listeners who showed up to our really fantastic video marketing course the other day. And uh, Splendid Time was guaranteed for all. If you missed it, well, you missed it. But guess what? We're going to do another one in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. We, uh, we're going we're gonna to try to do, uh, what, one a month? Uh, yeah, the, is goal, that- the goal is to do one a month. So the goal is to do one, um, one webinar a month where we'll be covering different marketing topics. And I think some of the ones that will be upcoming, these are not in any particular order, but we will be doing one on podcasting. We will be doing one on webinars. So these are coming. So we need listener feedback. So if you have something you want to hear, you know, reach out to us, connect with us on LinkedIn, send us your fan mail. Just none of that, uh, none of that anthrax, none of that stuff. No, I've, I've had enough anthrax to last me a lifetime. So, um, so, so, uh, so tell me something, sir. Uh, what are we covering today? Because you, uh, you chose the topic, but it's a dang good one. Yeah. So today, uh, what we're going to do is we previously did an episode where we kind of glossed over the six principles of influence um, that uh, largely come from uh, Robert Cialdini's work in the book Influence. But this is also universal principles that are not just attributed to him, but um, he kind of made them famous in that book. But we're going to take one of those topics today, and that topic is that of authority. And we're going to go on a deep dive into the topic of authority, how you can build credibility for yourself before you go out there and before you start promoting. Because the reality is that if people don't think that you're credible, your message doesn't land, right? So we want to help you to build your authority, build your credibility, position yourself in a way that you are the thought leader, you are the person that they want to go to to solve their problems. So uh, I've said in a prior episode that business is about you take somebody that has a problem um, and you take them from that state of uncertainty and having a problem to a state of having that problem solved where they are now thriving. 
So in order to get them from state A to state B, they first need to know, like, and trust you. So how can we accelerate that process of them know, like, knowing, liking, and trusting you? And um, what are the strategies to do that? So we're going to cover that today. And this, this goes across the board if you're marketing for yourself or you're marketing for a company because you're like a digital marketer. Uh, these are some just techniques that you really want to keep in mind as you uh, start to, to you know, help somebody or help yourself to create influence so you can really get the uh, get get people attracted to you and what you do. And it, it, this is one of the most important things that uh, I personally use because not only is it good for you if you're a marketer, but it's also good for you to like your own social brand, if you will. So whatever you, you do personally for uh, like, uh, you know, whether or not you're a public speaker or you're an author or whether or not you just want to get some speaking gigs, this this technique is the thing that you really want to pay attention to. So, uh, without any further ado, let's uh, let's get into that. But first, first before we do that, um, marketing news, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's do let's do a couple marketing stories first, uh, and I'll let you take the lead here because you have the, you have the news. I just have the commentary. Oh, oh man, I thought <laughs> I thought I thought hey, you. So it's all on me. Thanks a lot. It's all on you. Pal. All right. So uh, I just read this interesting uh, story from Marketing Tech News. This is pretty fascinating. 99% of businesses plan to up digital marketing spend this year. Now, this uh, this is incredible because if you are a digital marketer, whether you're a freelancer or you own a business, uh, you know, your, your competitors are going to be paying more attention to digital marketing uh, ad spend. So uh, the statistics are that nearly half, that's 41% of businesses with 100 plus employees, invest more than 500000 in digital marketing every year. Now think about that. There, there, there are so many companies out there that are spending $500,000 or more in digital marketing. And that means that if you are a, anyone from a freelancer to someone who has their own small agency, there is money out there for you to make If because there, people are starting to spend a lot more money on digital advertising. So um, this, is this, is a great, a, this is a great story that's going to lead into our main topic today because if you want to land some of this uh, massive market share that's going to be opening up next year, it's going to take authority and and branding and expertise or the perception of expertise to land these uh, bigger sized companies. So uh, we're going to go right. more into to how to do that. But this is a, that's a great story because, yeah, there's huge opportunities out there. And, I, and what's nice also is I think there's been an era recently of kind of fake entrepreneurship where uh, not necessarily fake entrepreneurship, but people that were underqualified trying to break in. Um, that and then the a lot of those have already faded out because uh, they just don't last over time. So they they're able to you know do that for a short period of time. Andres and myself have been doing this for years on end. Now we have survived and weathered the storm, and um, so we're we're largely in a nice spot to uh, positioned for some success here coming up too, Andres, huh? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, the, some of the techniques that Justin is going to go over today. Uh, are the techniques that we use to land some of our biggest clients. So uh, we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. But um, so basically there is a, a, a U.S.-based survey of 501 marketers by the small business publisher, The Manifest, 
And in a study which set out to discover how companies were investing in digital marketing and how their investments are set to change over the year ahead. And uh, while respondents hailed from a wide mix of seniority levels and companies, more than three quarters, that's 76%, agreed that marketing has changed more over the past two years than the entire 50 years before. Now think about that. In, in 50 years, marketing was done with uh, you know traditional forms like pamphlets, billboards, flyers, print. And now 99% of the respondents say that they plan to spend uh, at least on one digital marketing channel in the next year. So that also says something interesting, which is a lot of companies are planning on kind of focusing on one specific channel, which would be like a Facebook or you know, a Twitter or some other form, a Google AdWords. Yeah, or, or SEO. SEO. Yeah. But before we before we started recording here, Andres, we, we had a brief conversation about this. And I, I would argue that when uh, when this article says that marketing has changed that much in the last two years, part of that is the fact that a lot of these companies have been a little bit out of touch because marketing yeah. has been shifting over the course of about 15 years. Now, the dramatic effects of that 15-year transition have probably come stronger than ever in the last two years. So now they're really seeing the effects of it. But you know, for those of us that have been paying attention and doing the research and training ourselves, um, again, we're in a good position here because uh, yeah, this trend is not new. It's just now in the mainstream. So it's, there's a difference there, though. Yeah, and 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 what what some of the data coming back from this particular survey said that nearly two thirds, that sixty four percent of businesses interviewed, uh, said they plan to spend both more time and money on social media marketing, sixty four percent, while uh, optimizing their websites was a priority among fifty five percent. So, as you're saying, SEO is is definitely going to be one of those channels. So it's not just social media marketing, but you also have to look at how to optimize your website, especially since Google just changed our algorithm to focus a little bit more on mobile friendly websites. So that means that number one, if you are some sort of, if you, if you have some sort of business and your website is not mobile optimized, or if you are a marketer and you have a client who does not have a mobile optimized site, you have an opportunity there to uh, get more authority and ranking because if your site is not mobile optimized and not SEO'd correctly, then uh, you're going to be you're going to be hurt uh, pretty badly. And then, of course, if you wanted to do some other things like create video, in fact, you know when we did the uh, our fantastic webinar last week, um, I was able to show how in ten minutes you can rank number one. For a uh, for a particular keyword or key phrase, and that particular keyword or key phrase can be uh, rank in in at the very top of your search result. Because remember, in Google search results, video is part of the uh, search results. So you know, creating video can be part of that channel. Creating social media marketing, optimizing the website with SEO. But basically, what what it comes down to is there is a ton of money to be made doing this sort of work. And if you do it correctly, and we're going to bring you in the coming weeks, we're going to bring you some of these techniques that will help you optimize some of these things. So stick with us. And you know, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us on LinkedIn. We we get back to everybody. And don't forget though that uh, a lot of these 
companies are probably going to be spending significant budgets on Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, uh, moving their money there. The thing is, uh, that's a supply and demand channel. So if everybody, if 99% of companies move their budget to Facebook, the competition goes up, the cost per click goes up, the cost per engagement goes up. And that may not be the ideal platform. Um, ideally, you want to get ahead of trends, not in the middle of trends. So I actually think that you know YouTube advertising is going to be um, an opportunity to move in and you know uh, get in there while it's still not as popular. And I think even as these companies come on board, I think they're mostly going to spend their budgets on Facebook. So YouTube might be a big play coming up um, now and next year. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, as more people start abandoning Facebook, uh, YouTube is definitely going to be a good place to invest. In fact, I was just noticing the other day that uh, there are now uh, web stores on YouTube channels. So if you go to a YouTube channel, you can actually now create a web store within a YouTube channel so people can sell their product directly from their YouTube channel or YouTube video. And, and that's pretty significant because now YouTube is turning into – a uh, direct sales mechanism. So if you create a video that explains a product, and last week when we did our webinar, I explained how you could take a keyword and get it optimized into the number one search result within just a few minutes. But then if you're if somebody watches, say, a review of your particular product or service or your your the product and service of your client, then uh, there's also a web store down. And that so so if you think about it, so let's say for instance, you're a small agency or you're a solopreneur doing marketing. Uh, if you create a video for somebody and you get it search into the search results in the, in the number one spot and someone watches a how-to video about that product or service, directly underneath that, you can sell stuff. And setting all of that up for a client or doing that yourself, that is money. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, these are all things to consider because the landscape literally is changing on a weekly basis. In fact, uh, the next story, this kind of uh, folds into that, is that Google is still the, you know, obviously the top search engine. In fact, Google uh, is going to pay Apple $9 billion to remain the default search engine on Safari. So, uh, you know, Apple and Google have always had kind of a, uh, this, this real love-hate relationship, but, uh, you know, Apple is certainly willing to take Google's money to remain the default search engine uh, yeah. for Safari. And that, you know, that just opens up those opportunities for you to uh, get your SEO together. And I, I'm going to, you know, the next coming weeks, we're going to go over some SEO tips and tricks that are going to help you with your website uh, and your marketing techniques as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think this is actually money well spent. Um, I think Google understands the value of being the number one search engine. And I mean, it's not even close because we, we talked, you know, Bing, is, I think is number, is Bing number two? I mean, when we're talking about traditional search engine, search engines, no, not, not counting right. YouTube. Um, I, yeah, I, YouTube is, uh, for, and for those of you who don't know, YouTube is actually the second biggest search engine in the world next to Google itself. Yeah, but if we're talking traditional search engines that are like Google and Bing, I think Bing is number two and it's like 1% of the share of, or less than 1% yeah. of the share of Google. So it's it's not even close. So Google knows what they're doing. Right. Um, they have a dramatic stranglehold on the on the search um, the search game, and I, so I think it's I think it's money well spent, and uh, I think it's smart. And 
I mean, I love, I use iPhone and I like Google. So they, it, you know, it, there's a synergy there. So uh, don't, why mess with it? So I, I'm yeah. all, I think it's smart. It, it's expensive to, uh, to think about it in numbers. It's expensive, but I do think, uh, how many years was that for? Did, did it say? Uh, let's see. No, it didn't really say here. It just said, uh, oh, uh, four years. Four years. Okay. Well, that's. So if for nine billion for four years, that's uh, what like yeah. two point something, two point two five. Well, and according to this article, this is from uh, Search Engine Land. Uh, the uh, Safari is the second largest browser, so on a global basis. Interesting. So they do have a pretty pretty big market share. So something to think about, and all things that you need to consider when you're doing your marketing. So uh, moving right along, let's talk about the main topic for this evening. I want to uh, get into that because you're, you're, uh, this is something that you, uh, you and I have had long conversations for and uh, for years. We've, we've both for years and we've, we've leveraged uh, some of this, uh, these techniques in a way to help us not only get clients, but to help us with our own uh, specific types of brands and yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're going? Well, let's let's talk about it. So, what, first of all, let's kind of let's talk about authority. When I use the word authority, I'm talking about um, essentially building credibility and building it quickly. So, traditionally in the past, um, people believed that you had to have a college education to build authority, and then you'd get the ideal job, and that was the way to build authority. You'd be a, you know, you're you get your bachelor's degree, you get your master's degree, you get your PhD, or you get your MD, whatever that is, or your law degree. Um, and that's how you build authority. But this day and age, we're in a different time. Um, I believe that our credential, credentialing society is changing a bit. And people are still looking for authority figures, but they look for it in different spots. And there's ways that you can quickly build the same authority that comes with something like a credential, um, but done much quicker and much easier. And those are, and I'll get into those in just a second here, but um, it's it's creating per, even the, the idea of perceived authority is very very powerful because if you can if you can build perceived authority people are more likely to trust you and then they're more likely to get into a sales conversation with you and once you have a sales conversation and there's some trust established and they believe that you're an authority that's when you have the potential to actually sell your services and do it effectively mm-hmm. if those elements are not in place and they don't know who you are they don't necessarily have a trust built in, then you're in a much, much harder position to sell your services to somebody. And I'll use the example of Fiverr. Now, Fiverr is a freelancing platform where it's very, very saturated. And it's tough for somebody to come in there and build a business on Fiverr in a quick way. Now, Fiverr recently launched a pro division. So they launched something called Fiverr Pro. And what that means is that anyone with the pro designation was validated by Fiverr and they got a little like a, a certification, like a badge next to their name. And I was one of the first people that was contacted by Fiverr and recruited by them. And they found me because I'm an Infusionsoft certified partner. So they contacted me and we had a conversation. I talked about my skills as a copywriter, my skills as an email marketer. And I went, I took a couple tests and they validated me and they, they put a stamp by my name. And because of that, I've had people come to me and I've gotten a lot of extra authority now, what's the difference between me and somebody else that has the exact same experience, exact same skill set? Nothing really, except that I went and got that badge and I got somebody else to speak up for me and validate me. 
So this idea of uh, third-party validation is big as well. So again, it's like whether it's a school that's validating you, whether it's a certification board, whether it's Fiverr, having somebody else tell your audience that you are qualified is huge. And I've built, um, I mean, a decent-sized business. And I, I actually, when I got on there, I didn't expect to do much on Fiverr. And now I'm um, doing thousands of dollars a month and it's, uh, it's a nice little side income. It's not my main, it's not how I make my money, but it's, uh, it's definitely been a surprising side income that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And that's, and that's simply because you have the authority of Fiverr saying, this is vouching for you saying, this is the guy and authority can come in different, in different, uh, ways. I mean, like for me, um, I did a, uh, a Ted talk a number of years ago and, uh, or two, just a year and a half ago. And that was, that was good because now whenever you Google my name, my Ted talk is like the first thing that comes up. So, you know, I can say with great pride to, uh, to anybody, yeah, just go ahead and Google me and you'll, you know, you'll find out more about me. And to have a, a Ted talk show up, that's kind of prestigious, right? That's like, that's hugely prestigious. That's kind of, Right. And so, you know, that to me is a, is a, a, a type of authority that uh, I can show like, hey, yes, I'm a public speaker and this is what I've done. And, you know, if you want to see me speak, then go ahead. And that's that's my audition reel. A lot to of your times. point, Andres, though, so, uh, I just wanted to add one thing. Uh, sometimes when you're in like the marketing space and you you hang around and you see, you know, like you, you see a lot of TEDx's and, um, you know, TEDx speakers and things like that. Like personally, it feels like it's not that big of a deal maybe, but to the, mm-hmm. to the average person out there that doesn't hang around in our circles, like being a TEDx speaker is like, you're like a rock star. So, um, exactly. there's this huge prestige that comes there. And, uh, and the same thing goes, if you're like on the news, if you, if you go and do a news show, um, you're a rock star to the average person, uh, to the people that know PR and who know marketing, you're like, Oh, I know how you did that. So it's not maybe not as big of a deal, but to the average person, it's a big, big deal. And so playing up these mechanisms for building quick authority, uh, those are valuable to you and your brand. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's it's kind of interesting because especially in the day and age of 24-hour news cycles, having some sort of, quote, expert is, uh, you know, is part of the whole news cycle. And so the way that you can become an expert, one of the best ways is to write a book. And the thing is, is that people think, oh, God, you know, that's a that's a big deal. But actually writing a book isn't that hard to do. You only need 100 pages and you only need to have it, you know, on on Amazon about a certain particular subject. And it's kind of funny that, you know, you see a lot of these people on these, you know, these talking head news shows. And sometimes you find out later that they actually aren't quite the expert that they say they are. So, you know, they don't really, these news channels don't really care if you're vetted or not. They care really if you're a good speaker. Of course, you don't want to be, you know, full of crap. You want to, you know, stand behind what you say. But if you know a particular subject and you can enough to write, say, 100 pages on it and or, you know, do some sort of talk about it, then then it's amazing like the types of doors that can open for you in these particular big time and you have to know a little bit of you have to know a little bit of PR too because you have to know how to leverage the book that you just wrote to get on the news so you do have to know how to uh, the right people to contact you got to know a little bit about public relations to to do this but yeah you're right they're looking for people that are charismatic that are good speakers 
and they want people that have some sort of authority. So if you wrote a book, that's an in. So that's all they need. So you have to have some authority. You can't just be a talking head for no reason. You have to have something and, and writing a book is enough. That's enough. Right. So if you have a conversation with somebody about, you know, whatever your particular subject is, somebody's going to want to see like, okay, what can you do? Let's, let's, you know, wh- what's your, what's your resume? So like for me, for instance, whenever I do public speaking, I just say, oh, well, here's my TEDx talk. And that is usually just enough. So for you, it may be something else. And, and as far as getting a TEDx talk, uh, it's actually, that's pretty easy too. If you go to uh, your local TEDx, usually most major cities have some sort of TEDx event, uh, just sign up for it. And all you have to do is just have a compelling sort of angle. Tell somebody, uh, you know, be willing to talk about something that no one else has thought about before. And, and there, you know, there's different ways to do that. If you have any questions about it, you can always uh, message me on LinkedIn. I can go over some of the techniques around, around that. Um, in fact, we should do a show about how to do a TEDx talk at some point. We should because uh, uh, I, I volunteered for the back end of it and you were the, uh, one of the featured speakers. And so we both know a fair amount about it. So Exactly, exactly. And uh, it's quite amazing how easy it is uh, to do. So, you know, but the thing is, is that that's one avenue of, of getting authority is, is being able to have that kind of prestige. But then, of course, you know, besides writing a book, you can also do something like, say, have a podcast. So, for instance, one of the things that I've done recently with some of my uh, clients is when they say, well, what kind of thing can you do? I say, well, we can set you up with a podcast because if you have a podcast and you have at least seven followers like we do <laughs> – then, uh, We're a top-rated podcast, you- Andros. We are a top-rated podcast. We are, and it's because of our seven listeners that we are. Um, but you know, it, it, even if you even if you have maybe say six listeners, uh, the fact that you can say, "Yeah, go on iTunes and you'll see my podcast there," it, it's then it's like, "Oh, okay, so this person is is doing something." So you know, podcasts, uh, getting on the news, and that that again is not such. It's not so hard to do. Uh, for instance, if you notice that something in the news is happening that relates to your particular uh, thing that you do, whatever that is, like let's say that you're a uh, you know a specialist in dog breeding, and then you notice that there's a story about some dog breeder that got busted for something, then you can call the local news station and say, hey, I'm a dog breeder. Uh, I have an angle that you might be interested in. And that's one of the things is that, especially on the local news stations, they need to fill time. And if they hear that you have an angle and you can comment about a national story, that is going to be very, very good for you because they'll come and they'll like interview you. And then next thing you know, you're on the news and then you could take that clip and then you could put that on YouTube or you can put that on, you know, your, your LinkedIn profile and now you are an authority because the news came and interviewed you, right? So, so you they just- won't come to you typically. So unless there's something major going on, they won't come to you. So you have to reach out to them. So that's just one of the things that I just want to emphasize is that if you uh, – a lot of this is on you to take action and reach out to them. Tell them you're an expert on something that ties into current events. And yeah, you probably can get on the news, and especially if you have something that leverages you as an authority like a podcast, like a book like being a public speaker, speaking to big audiences, any of that stuff can be leveraged. Um, yeah, exactly. So so the, the, the point, part of the point here is that you do have to be a bit proactive. You have to be able to like 
you know, step up and, and say, okay, I'm going to like make that call. And, you know, admittedly, some people can't do that. Some people can't make that call. Some people, you know, can't, uh, and that's okay if you can't do that. But, you know, if you're more of an introvert, uh, then you can write a book. You can have a blog. You can find ways to give yourself more authority. And maybe you can send that way, email. So if you want to get on the news, maybe you could send that email and, and do that. If that's if that's what you're talking about is having a fear of having the initial conversation, that's a way around that is mm-hmm. you can do it via email. Um, now, if you want to be on the news, you're obviously going to be in front of a camera. So there's uh, some introverts can get around that. But uh, yeah, if you're afraid, if you're terrified of that, then that's a whole nother conversation. It's time to get into some personal growth work, things like that. Um, <laughs> right. But, but, the, but the point is, is that there's more than one way to position yourself with, as someone who has authority. Um, so, you know, if, you, if, if, if being in front of a, a camera uh, isn't your thing, you can also, you know, be a writer. Um, also radio shows, even getting on, say, public access or, you know, some sort of uh, radio show where, again, you know, we, uh, in fact, I'm, I, I'm going to put the call out to anybody who wants to be on our show. If you feel you're an authority with somebody, with something, by all means, contact us. We will put you on our show because we want to have more guests, right? So there's an opportunity right there. And just the fact that we bring you on, you can then say, hey, I was on the world famous Marketing Geek show you should listen to this podcast because it's awesome. And I was on it. And, um, you know, this is one of the things that we really want to uh, impress upon people is that uh, there's sometimes a symbiotic relationship because there's so many hours to fill in media. You can find your space. It's not that hard to do. The other um, thing Andres, is, is that yeah. um, when you go on like local radio or public access, that's probably not going to reach a huge listener base. So it's also on you to make it look like a much bigger deal than maybe it kind of is to it. Like well, you kind of know exactly how many people are actually listening. But like when we went on local, uh, when you were living up in Ventura County, we went on local radio shows a couple times together and we leveraged the shit out of it with Facebook live. We Facebook lived mm-hmm. us in the radio station recording. We put it all over social media we shared it with all of our uh, all of our people. We made it a bigger deal than it probably really was, and that's that's what you have to do. Though you have to leverage it and make it a bigger deal than it even is, because um, again, to the average person, you know, a lot of people probably what like ninety five, ninety nine percent of people never go on the radio. They've never been in a radio station. They don't know what that even looks like. So when you do something like that to them, it's really really cool. And it's a, and it also makes you look more like an expert. So it's it's leveraging that, and then using social media, using your website, using these different tools to make it uh, make it a bigger deal by doing exactly, that. exactly. So you know, and don't it, it's there's nothing wrong with a little bit of puffery. I mean, we've talked a lot about LinkedIn, for instance, and with LinkedIn, as we've often said, it, that is not a place to be humble. And so, uh, you know, using using those things to leverage kind of who you are and what you do, uh, because the thing is, is that the only difference between, say, a quote unquote expert and someone who just knows a lot of stuff is is the fact that one person knows how to, you know, be the expert, you know, speaker about this particular subject. Uh, and that's and you tell know, people that they and tell people about it, too. I mean, exactly. think about like some of these companies that donate $10,000 to charities and then they spend a million dollars to promote the fact that they donated $10,000. I mean, yeah, we're getting into, 
it's an interesting conversation, but there's, you know, telling people that you do some of this stuff is valuable in business. That's just the reality of the world we live in. It's uh-huh. valuable to spread the word and tell people that you're doing these things. Um, one of my clients is on a media tour right now, and he's been sharing that he is, you know, on all these different um, local news channels. He's been sharing it all over social media, and it's awesome. Uh, but he's had a few people that have commented like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "You're you're like, well, quit bragging about yourself." Kind of you know, those kind of comments. But the reality is, you know, you're going to get some pushback from people like that. But it's it's. The reality is, you, you, it's a business. It's a business necessity to to let people know about this. If people are into you and your brand, um, they'll understand what you're doing. And you know, you're you're never going to be able to please everybody. So yeah, yeah, I understand that you might feel that some of the stuff is um, puffery, like you said, Andros, and it, and it is in a lot of ways. But it's necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. And if you want to build fast authority without. The, without a master's, without a PhD, and you want to build it without the traditional um, ways of getting authority that you needed an MBA in the past, you have to do these things. Absolutely. Um, one, Absolutely. Last point, one last point I want to make real quick is that if like going to seminars is interesting. So if any of you are like me, I go to a lot of business marketing seminars um, quite often, coaching seminars, uh, public uh, personal growth seminars. There's a, there's a huge thing that happens when you go to a seminar as a guest, you're just another face in the crowd. But if you get the opportunity to be a speaker or you get on stage at any point, that whole seminar room is transformed and people come to you and they see you in a whole different light. You're put on this pedestal and it's it's amazing the prestige that happens just from being featured as a speaker on a stage. So there's uh, there's all these different – all these. this is just the way the humans are wired. It's the psychology behind it. But when you're, um, when you're a featured speaker somewhere – people see you differently. They're more, they want to contact you. Like if I go to a networking group and I'm the speaker – People are more likely to ask me for my business card, or they're gonna, or or they'll just ask for my phone number, or we'll, and we're more likely to actually have a conversation than if I go to a networking group and we're just handing out business cards and like you know most people never have a never connect after that. Yeah. So there's a lot of power in being seen as the authority, and speaking is another way of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, one of the things that I was doing before I left the U.S. was I was. Uh, doing a lot of teaching a lot of classes for an organization called SCORE, which is a really great organization. If you are a aspiring business person and you need some help with mentoring, uh, I would definitely go to your local SCORE chapter. SCORE stands for the Society of Retired. <clears throat> what is it? Uh, service, service Corps of Retired Executives, I believe. Uh, service Corps. Right. So it because it originally was started as a way of like retired executives to give back to the community and now they take on experts so they take on they take on other people that are willing to volunteer and give back their time that's right and so what i what i did was i noticed that there was a hole in their curriculum they were they were teaching classes on uh you know on on different sort of um uh, aspects of negotiation or how to run a business but they didn't have anybody teaching social media marketing or facebook marketing so I just volunteered my time and people would come and I would have, you know, a room full of like 40 or 50 people sometimes uh, just teaching these classes about Facebook marketing. And at the end of it, people would line up to talk to me and they'd hand me their business cards and they'd ask me to give them a call. And I, that kept me, uh, that kept me in the chips for a good, a good while there. So, you know, again, it was because I, I positioned my own authority of, you know, what I knew how to do. And that's, that was, that was a way to show that I knew what I was doing. And because I was talking to a room full of people, people just went, Oh, this guy must know, 
he must know what he's talking about. So, you know, doing some public speaking, for instance, like if you were to go to the local library and just say, hey, I want to run a class on social media marketing or Facebook marketing or how to run a business, uh, you'll get a room full of people in there. And I guarantee you those open doors towards other things. And um, in fact, I, uh, I was doing a class. God, where was that? I did a class on something which then led to me getting uh, a bunch of talks with some business organizations. And then when I left, I handed that over to you. And then now you're, you're doing a talk next week, right? Yeah. So you actually introduced me to a, a few different organizations. Um, one of them was SCORE, but another one was the, well, there was the, uh, the Association of IT Professionals. Mm-hmm. So a few of those have transitioned, have turned into speaking gigs for me. An opportunity since you left the country, uh, I'm the default backup. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's really great because, you know, it, it, again, it's one of those things where uh, because I started doing a bunch of public speaking and you were doing some of those with me, uh, it led to all these other opportunities. So because you're an authority in one area, a lot of times those particular things will open up other sort of avenues for you to do uh, other types of public speaking. Yeah. So, you know, again, volunteering your time at like a library or a business organization, or uh, I, I've even done talks at festivals, you know, uh, different things like that. Once you're on stage and you're talking to a group of people, it changes the energy of who you are because people are looking for you to you for advice and for uh, opening up that type of conversation. So, and then, you know, you take it one step further where you're like, yes, I'm also the, a published author. I'm also, you know, a TEDx speaker. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm running a podcast, all of these things bit by bit add to your resume. So people go, Oh yeah, that guy's got a lot going on. So now when, you know, when I go into a new client, they go, well, what have you done? What's your portfolio? I, this is part of my portfolio. So, so developing yourself as an authority around these particular subjects, uh, I, I cannot recommend it high enough because it's definitely one of the most important things to kind of show that you're, uh, you know, that you're in charge of, of what you know. And a funny thing, like having a podcast like we have, there's a lot of people that, are, you know, I'll tell people we have a podcast and they'll be, they'll be like blown away by it. And then they'll probably never listen to it, but it doesn't matter. It's just the fact that we have it and they can validate it by looking at it on iTunes, whether they listen to it or not, it's a, it's a big prestige builder. Yeah. So, and, and it's everything with a book. Like if you write a book, 90% of people probably don't read it. Right. So, so for instance, if I, if, you know, uh, you and I are, are, we've been working on a book off and on for a little bit, but uh, you know, it's like if, if, if we, when we finally finish that book, uh, and people can just go on Amazon and go, Oh God, they wrote this book. No, one's going to read that book. I mean, let's be real. Right. I mean, the chances yeah. of it actually selling, uh, to the point where we're making money on it, it's not going to happen. But the fact that you have a book and you can hand it to somebody and go, Hey, I'm going to give you a free copy of my book. Or, you know, if you, if you sign up for my course, you get a free copy of it or, uh, hey, just go on Amazon. You can see it there. It it really does leverage what you do, and so uh, you know that's that's definitely something that 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 helps. You bring up a great point there, Andros. Like writing a book is not a short term solution to wealth. You, you sh- if you're writing a book, you should not think of it as a way of making money. You're, you're you're writing a book to build authority and prestige. That's the only reason you're doing it. When you go on the news. You're probably not going to make a lot of money going on local news channels and sharing your stuff. 
but you're going to build authority. You'll be able to create a sizzle reel that can be used for speaker introductions or on your website. You'll be able to get this amazing footage uh-huh. um, that'll look amazing and and have all that. There's a lot of this fringe benefits and you'll have, you'll be introduced to people that you wouldn't otherwise be introduced to, too. Yeah. So the, these, these are the reasons that you want to do it. You don't, you don't need to write a book. You're not writing a book to have people read it. And I mean, you know, there's probably writers that are in here that maybe that is for you, but the odds are, if you want to make money from a book, it's going to be the authority build that you do, and then having a sales conversation with somebody that um, saw that you wrote the book, and maybe not, even, maybe they read it, maybe they didn't, but it's probably going to lead to those conversations, and that's that's how you make your money from a book, not from just you're not going to just sell copies of it. Yeah, right. and so so that's that's part of the whole thing, you know, with with what you're doing, whether or not you're you know writing a blog for a big website or you're. Uh, you know, that's the other thing is, especially if you're doing blogging or you're writing for for some sort of um, organization, it helps with your SEO too. Like if you if you search my name, then, you know, a bunch of the stuff that I've written for, a bunch of the things that I've done in the past, uh, my name shows up in other areas as well. So all you have to do is, and that's what I tell people sometimes, it's like if they if they want to know more about me, just Google my name, you'll see everything come up there. And I, I feel pretty good about the authority that I've developed over the years based on my own personal SEO. So whether or not you're promoting yourself or you're promoting a company, these are all things that you have to consider in developing the authority around those things. Absolutely. So So I think that's a pretty good conversation that we had there. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Got to wrap up our main topic of the day. Yeah. And if you, if you have any thoughts about other ways to find authority uh, or how you've done it, we'd love to hear from you and, uh, see what you have to say about the matter. But uh, anyway, let's, uh, uh, I got to say that there is uh, one thing that I believe that I am an authority of. And you know what that is? (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. It's time once again for the Sex Robot Report. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. With the world's number one podcast authority on sex robots, Audro Sturgeon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm writing a book about it. You should. <laughs> all right. You know what, we should just transcribe all these conversations and then create that into a book. I, That'll be your book. I, I think so. And then, and then, but you know what? Do I really want to be the world's authority on sex robots? Yeah, I think, I think you do. I don't know that I do, but I think you do. <laughs> yeah, if somebody Googles my name, is that what I want to have pop up? I don't know. I mean, it can go both ways. Um, this is from Eyewitness News 13 uh, in uh, Houston. And uh, Houston Council set to vote on sex robot brothel ban. Houston, Texas, try before you buy. That's the option a business owner of human-like robots wants to offer people in Houston whether male or female. Okay. It's a topic that the whole city is talking about. Could a sex robot brothel open up there? Uh, This is not a business I endorse, says Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner. Turner has made it clear that he doesn't want a sex robot brothel in his city, and his legal team uh, canvass all ordinances to stop it. Presently now, we have an ordinance dealing with arcades. It places restrictions on where these businesses can be 
and what you can do inside of these businesses, Turner said. On Wednesday, the city council will vote for the new verbiage under the, quote, adult arcade and adult mini theaters ordinance, where it will include, in part, arcade device shall also mean anthropomorphic, that's a good word, anthropomorphic devices or objects that utilize that are utilized for entertainment with one or more persons. One or more persons. So, so wait a minute. Does that mean that you can go into your uh, sex robot brothel with more than one person? I guess that's um, maybe. That would be. That, I don't know. Do you have to pay? Do you have to pay extra for that? That's what I want to know. Is that like you know? No, you know, um, I hate to be like the guy that did the research here, but it looks like they actually already voted on this and they voted no. So I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing an update on your story here that says that they oh. actually voted to not allow this. So it's actually already been voted on and it oh. was a no-go. It was a no-go. So the, the prudes win. The prudes win. What can I say? Yeah, and I, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to figure out: is this, uh, was that because this was somebody who really cared about human trafficking, as they say in the story, or is this somebody who just really hates the taste of plastic? All right, <laughs> that concludes our sex robot report, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah. Hmm. Stay tuned for another one next week. Or we will we do the next episode. We will keep you updated on this story as it breaking more, news or <laughs> becomes available. All right, and finally to close out the show, we want to go over a couple of geek news stories. And uh, what do you got for us, man? Geek wise, what's happening? Uh, I guess uh, number one would be the movie Venom. Uh, Venom, the Spider-Man villain, uh, his movie was released this past weekend, and it actually exceeded box office uh, projections. So I, I had read they were projecting around sixty-five million for it. It did eighty million, which is um, kind of—I mean, it's good for the superhero genre, I guess—but it's kind of disappointing because um, you know Sony has now taken the Venom character and separated it from Spider-Man universe, and now you have like two different universes going on it's a mess it's kind of a cluster um i don't think it's good in the long term uh so and i haven't seen the movie yet so i I don't know the reviews are pretty bad on it too i have not seen it i can't give you my feedback on it yet what do you think andres do you even want to see this movie well i don't you know it did have a production budget of 100 million dollars and according to estimates it's made 205 worldwide that is considered a hit, and uh, they did tease a sequel, so it looks like we will have another Venom movie at some point. But who knows, man? I mean, like you know, they they were doing it; they rebooted the Spider-Man franchise, and after two sequels, they finally turned it over to the Marvel universe. So uh, it could happen. I don't know. I'm there's something about it that just I it smells kind of stinky, just you know, walking into it. Uh, not, not that looking forward to it, but you know, the, the bigger question is, are we facing a superhero sort of glut? I mean, at, at the same time, the new preview for the new X-Men movie came out and that thing I am not excited about either. And is pre- it- yeah, I, I saw it. I saw the preview and I was not impressed. And yeah. I actually think, 
I think that this is my opinion, and this is probably not a popular opinion in studios, but I think they should have. They just. I think they invested about a hundred million in it already. I think they should have just eaten it. Uh, maybe done a direct release on Netflix or a direct release on um, the new Disney streaming service or something like that. I think they should have eaten the budget of the movie and moved them over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe sooner than later, because I actually think this movie probably will do more damage than it will do good. And uh, why, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like it. I I don't think it's, it looks like a terrible movie. I really hated the X-Men Apocalypse movie. I thought it was crap. Okay. But let me ask you this. See, see, let's just say you're the average viewer and so am I. Uh, this movie, I mean, I saw the preview and to tell you the truth, I saw it like a week ago. I don't remember a thing about it. I don't even remember, like, I can't even tell you what this movie's about. I don't, I don't, I, I don't even, I don't even remember. I, I forgot, I, 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 I forgot I, about it until you brought it up. I mean, I forgot that I even read that story yeah. last week until you brought it up here on the show. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, but, but so let me ask you this. Okay. Just check your energy level here. Let's say all of a sudden. X-Men has now entered the cinematic universe and they do an X-Men versus Avengers movie or uh, the X-Men are brought into like the, the actual cinematic universe of uh, Marvel. Would you be excited that? I'd be much more excited for that than I would for this piece of crap that they're advertising right now. Yes. Okay. So there you go. So <laughs> we, we just I – mean, it's kind of it's kind of like a bad relationship. We just got to like endure it. And you know, uh, I don't know if you you realize this, but there is actually another uh, mutant movie that has been in. It's I don't know if they're shelving it. I don't know. Yeah, and that's the new mutant movie, which actually had an interesting twist on it, uh, where it's kind of like a horror mutant film. Yeah, but, but I don't even I've know. I've heard it's it's like they they can't. It was supposed to come out this year, I think, and they they yeah. they postponed it for reshoots at least once, maybe twice. Uh, but to me, it's like, yeah, why spend all this money on reshoots when you're moving all the movies anyway? And now it'd be one thing if you want to release it on streaming. And I understand that you don't want to just take a loss like that. That's a huge loss. And most companies, right. they don't want, they won't do that. It's just not realistic. But it, it's also brand damaging, though. So I mean, well, not not to them because the, um, uh, you know, they're they they're turning the whole franchise over to Disney after this. So, but they they're, they kind of already you know, have it's their last hurrah. It's yeah. they have plausible deniability because they could be like, oh, that was exactly. Fox, that was Fox's last hurrah doing their thing. Now Disney's taking over. So yeah, so I guess it works. And they'll make and now we got to make more money this way. Of, so yeah, absolutely. And there's you know there's going to be a whole glut of like there's going to be a Loki TV show and there's going to be a. <laughs> Uh, Scarlet Witch TV show. Yeah, I, I read yeah, that they're doing. Uh, yeah. There's a new thing about the new Star Wars TV show. John Favre is doing a show for the Disney streaming network um, called The Mandalorian about one of the, which I guess is like Bubba Fett's race. Uh, so, Bub, did you say Bubba Fett? Yeah. You didn't say Bubba Fett. I did, did you? or Boba, whatever. Bubba, Boba, Boba Fett. Boba, Boba Fett. Oh. <laughs> You know what? If you were standing in front of me right now, I would rip that geek badge right <laughs> off your chest, buddy. Bubba, Bubba. You are you are a disgrace. It's all, it's all the same. Bubba Fett. It's all the same. I am, I am taking. I, you 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 have you have shamed the family just now. Shame the. Oh family. my god! I can't believe it. How dare you, sir? <laughs> um, actually, the, the, there is one TV show that uh, that uh, I am really excited about. Uh, actually, two. 
Uh, I think that the they're they're doing a Watchmen TV show on yeah. HBO. I think that's going to that be that sounds project. interesting. I think it's the and guy then, that wrote. I think it's Damon Lindelof or whatever the guy did Lost. So he's kind of like all over the place sometimes, but um, it could be good though. And then uh, the other show that I think is this is for there's a DC streaming service that's coming up. Terrible. I think it's a terrible idea. It, it is a terrible idea. However, they are doing a Doom Patrol. TV show, a live action Doom Patrol show, and if for those I don't, of you, I don't know Doom Patrol. Ah, I don't even know. you should Doom Patrol. Two reasons you can yank my geek badge away this week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, you, you kind of get a you get a pass on this one. Doom Patrol was a comic book series uh, that was around during the eighties, uh, and it was kind of a uh, it, it would it was kind of riffing on X Men a little bit. Uh, and, and some of them, it was, it was almost like a, like a satire of X-Men, but, uh, uh, it was also very, uh, funny and, and, and very, uh, tongue in cheek, but the, uh, but the, it, it was also really well done. So I think that was Grant Morrison who did it. Uh, but they're, uh, they're doing a live action, uh, Doom Patrol series. So we'll see, we'll see how that, how that works. So interesting. Anyway, a lot of, lot of interesting... I guess the last one we'll cover, more comic book, uh, Gotham, the TV show Gotham. You ever watch that show? Uh, I can honestly say okay. I have I, I have. I watched the first two seasons in their entireties, which was a lot because they were like long, longer seasons. And they're, they're okay. There's some pluses, some terribleness to it. It's, very, it's, like a, it's a combination of like super violence and, um, and then like 1960s Batman campiness. It's like a combo. It's weird. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you watch like the sixties Batman, except that people were like killing each other and shooting like and there's like super and like there's blood everywhere. So it's it's kind of a weird combo. That's my that's how I describe it. But there uh so apparently in season five, which I'm I didn't see three or four, um, they're bringing in the character of Bane and they're they're bringing in some guy that's like in his forties, and then the guy playing Batman is like eighteen. So it's kind of an interesting thing right there. And um hmm. So they're bringing in a Bane, and then they're also said they're going to bring in Batman officially. So apparently Batman will make an appearance. And this is like a half season because I guess like Fox agreed to renew it for one so they could wrap up the storylines. But they they kind of renewed it without fully renewing it. So this is the end. So this show will be ending. Hmm. Uh, I think they're doing like a 10-episode run instead of the normal 26 or so. Um, I probably won't even watch it, but just wanted to cover it because it's geek. It's Batman. I love Batman. Just not that show. Batman, Batman is, yeah, you know, it's it's some of these. I, I always, I, I don't like to get involved in these shows. It's it's actually I blame Lost because, um, uh, you know, Lost was one of those ones where it started off really good, and about halfway through, I was like, oh god, <laughs> you know. And then they announced, well, we're going to go to season five, and then I was kind of in it. I just felt okay. I just got to go through with well, it. That's why so, I brought up that the, um, the, the one of the key writers on Lost is writing the Watchmen series. So it's a, that's why I'm like a little skeptical. <laughs> Yeah, well, it might be one of those ones I have to wait till season three to actually uh, get involved. Although one show, I just want to give a shout out to one show I have been watching. It, it's been out for a little while, but it's on Netflix, uh, Dark, which is a German uh, – it's it's a cross between Stranger Things and like uh, Twin Peaks. So if you haven't had a chance to see Dark, it's uh, it's quite interesting. So do – is it, is it in German or English? It's well, you can you can have English uh, overdubbing if you want, but it's in German. Okay, 
Yeah. Okay, so wait, let me give my two shout-outs for shows. Uh, Better Call Saul. So uh, the season finale, I believe, airs tonight. So the season finale oh. of season four already. Uh, I love that show. It's like it's one of my favorites that are on right now. And then I just started watch- I finally started watching The Ozarks with uh, Jason Bateman. It's actually pretty good. Um, just two episodes in um, on Netflix, but I actually quite enjoy it. Oh, interesting. So that's another one that is uh, surprisingly is you know, my wife uh, heard some good things about it, so we decided to watch it, and it's good. So, so far, so good anyway. I'm only two episodes in. Uh, maybe I'll have more to say about it later on. Okay. I will. I will so with uh, that, that's all I got. Okay. Very good. Well, and with that, we are closing out another episode of the, the award-winning greatest. greatest podcast. It's the number one authority in podcasting and the, definitely the number one podcast on sexual robots. That's right. That's right. You you probably didn't know that we were an award-winning podcast, did you? You didn't know that. Well, now I do. Yeah. From from a highly reputable award-winning award company. That's right. It's that we created. <laughs> we did not. Oh, it's right. Okay. Next week, we'll have more geek news. And we're going to go over the second part of uh, the, uh, what, what is it? It's the next Influ- part. Influence tactics. Yeah, influence tactics. Next part. So stay tuned. And then we're going to have some interesting guests. And we're going to do another webinar and show you how to do some cool stuff. <laughs> cool stuff. You heard it here first. Cool stuff. And remember, the third cool thing will shock you. This- from the Netherlands, <laughs> Camarillo, California, the home of me. It is the Marketing Geeks, ladies and gentlemen. We love you. Thank you to all seven of our listeners. 